1 Samuel chapter 25, we're continuing, of course, our study of 1 Samuel, and we've seen really the lives of David and Saul and Samuel, and it's great. And, and we're seeing a contrast between the first two kings of Israel. In fact, this is how we look at it. Saul, of course, is the present king. We say he's a man of the flesh. And, and really, you know, we'd say we should love Saul, but in, when you look at him and you go, Saul, he's, he's jealous of everybody. He wanted to kill his son. He wants to kill David. Uh, he's a man of pride, a man of flesh. And so it's really hard. And then we look at David, who's, who's the second king. He's already been anointed as the king. It's just not time yet. He's a man of faith, a man who uh, the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. So we've been seeing a lot there. Now, as we look at this passage uh, this morning, actually, there's two key events. We see the death of Samuel. And, you know, we've watched Samuel from the very beginning of the book, going all the way back, a great man. And we see that this is when he dies. And then we're going to see David's episode with a guy named, I'm just going to say Nabal. Sometimes it's Nabal. Sometimes it's Nabal. It's just ever how you want to pronounce it. And what we do is we look at this passage passage, we're going to see the passing of a leader, Samuel, he's dying, but we also see the problem of a leader, and that's David. And you say, well, David, David's been great. David's been doing great. Well, the problem this morning is David is not doing great, and we're going to see one of the great truths from the Bible is 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, chapter 10, verse 12, it says, take heed lest you think you stand, you what? You fall, so we've got to be really careful. We're going to see that there's an event, and th- this event, and it's going to take us two weeks to get through it, uh, that could affect David for the rest of his life, and we'll see it. So as we look at this passage, we want to think about leadership. What can we do to be leaders? We're going to think about knowing our own strengths and weaknesses. And then also we have to remember, which we've seen over and over, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Well, as we begin, you know, you've heard people say something like, you know, if a person, if that person was a real Christian, they wouldn't do that. The idea there is that a person who's trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, there's just certain things you wouldn't do. Well, the truth is this, any believer is capable of any sin. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and wicked, who can know it? When we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we're born again, we're changed from the inside out, we're placed in Christ, we were dead, but now we're alive. But the truth is, we still have the flesh, we still have the bent to do wrong, we still have that. And I've always used this little chart to show you, you know, and this is a believer and we've got a body and we've got a conscience which tells us right from wrong, we've got the soul, which goes back to our mind, emotion, and will. Then we got the flesh, which is sometimes called the old man, the bent to sin, uh, sin within us. It's a natural pull to sin. We've been born again, the human spirit. We were dead spiritually. Now we're alive spiritually. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So there we are, but there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. And the truth is this, if we yield to the flesh, we look just like an unbeliever. When we yield to the flesh, we sin. And when people say something like a real believer wouldn't do that, a real believer has the flesh and we can do any sin. And so well, it's really a powerful thing. And then we could fall at any time. In fact, if each one of you in this room, we know our own lives. We'd say, well, if you look at our own lives, you look at our thought lives, uh, we're capable of anything. Well, we're going to see that David is about to mess up. Let's just say it. David's about to mess up. In the past, uh, when it dealt with Saul, he had an opportunity to kill Saul. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. But today, you, you might call it this way, vengeance belongs to David. That's what he thinks. He thinks, you know, I'm going to get this guy named Nabal. I'm going to get him back. And so as we look at this, two key events, Samuel's death, and we see leadership. Is that, that's the end of the leadership there. And then we see David's vengeance as he goes after Nabal. And we would say, well, David, I... I didn't think you're supposed to go after people. And so let me give you the outline of the study. It's a real brief outline, just the death of Samuel. And then from chapter uh, 
verse 2 through 19, David protects this guy named Nabal, and then we see what happens as David decides to go after him. And we will see what happens. Of course, uh, if you know where we stopped reading, that's where we'll probably stop, and and, uh, you'll see what happens even next week. So let's begin, and as we begin this chapter, it's, it's really sad. Notice what it says, chapter 25, verse 1, Then Samuel died. All Israel gathered together and mourned for him and buried him at his house in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now, Samuel dies. And when we say Samuel, we go, wow. Samuel was a great leader. Samuel was the last great hope for the, for the nation. The people could turn to him <clears throat> for maturity and godliness. And it says, and they all together gathered together to mourn for him. When, when Samuel died, David, if you know, even goes further away. He's trying to get away from Saul, and so he goes to this place, which is a place called Carmel, not Mount Carmel, but a little town called Carmel, and in the wilderness of Mahon, and we're going to see what happens there. So everybody mourns. And when you think about Samuel, Samuel was a prophet, a priest, and a judge. Now, that's incredible. I mean, that's incredible. A prophet, because he actually spoke the word of God and said in his life that anything that he ever spoke as God's word always came true. He was a priest. He led the nation as a priest. And then he was a judge. And the, the word for judge is sophertine, which means deliverer. And he was. He was the one that helped to deliver. The, the last great victory that they had was really Samuel leading them against the Philistines. And so uh, it's a sad thing. And so when we look at this, it's sad because, first of all, there is mourning because of a great man has died. But it's also a sad time because there's a void in leadership. Saul is not respected. Saul is not really the leader. People know that Saul is the king, and when he tells people to do what they have to do, they do it. But Saul's not really the leader. David has yet to take leadership. In fact, if you said, where's David? People say, well, we don't even know where he is because he's down in some wilderness somewhere running away from Saul. And so uh, we look at this and we go, what is, what is God going to do now that Samuel's dead? <laughs> and sometimes in our lives we see great leaders, people, they die, and we go, what is God going to do? What, what is God going to do when Paul died? What is God going to do when Peter died? What is God going to do when, when John died? Well, the truth is God always raises up new people. That's, that's part of the thing we do is take what we've been taught and entrust it to others to help raise up leadership. We're training others, and God always has other people. That you know, When you think back through the history of great men and women of God, and they died, and God raised up more. And Samuel dies, and God's going to raise up more. Of course, eventually it's going to be David. David's the man after God's own heart. Let's think about, about him for a second, about uh, Samuel. The truth is, what made him great is that leadership is servant, and he was a servant. Jesus said, if you really want to be great for God, you have to be a servant. And if we want to be great for God, probably anyone else in this room, if you said to each one of us in this room, would you want to serve God, and would you want to hear God say, well done, and would you want to do great things for God? Every one of us would say, well, well yeah. yeah, well, you have to be a servant. Those who want to be leaders for servants. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. And so uh, that's what we do. Let's think about, I'm, I'm just going to give you a little flashback, and I'll go back to 1 Samuel chapter 12. We don't, we don't have to go there. I just want to remind you of the four things that we saw about this man, Samuel, what a great leader he was. First of all, he was honest. He always, he, 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 was, he did what he said. Second, he was fair. He didn't cheat or lie. He even says toward the end of his life, did, did I take a bribe? Did I ever cheat anybody? And the answer, of course, was no. He was a man of prayer. He said that he would never stop praying for the nation of Israel. And then he always obeyed the word 
of God. And so if we want to be great leaders, look, look what it says. Let's be honest. Let's be fair. Let's be men and women of prayer. Let's, let's obey the word of God. Let's do what God has for us to do. And so what can we do to be great leaders? We'll be a servant. First Peter 4.10 is each one has received a gift. Every one of us have different spiritual gifts. What we need to do is use those gifts to serve within the body of Christ. Second is we've got to be faithful. First Corinthians 4.2 says, More, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. I mean, that's the key, isn't it? Because when we stand before Jesus, what's he going to say to us? What do we want him to say? Well done, good, and faithful servant. You know, fame, fame is fleeting. We, we live in a culture that says you want to be famous, you want to be rich, you want to be a celebrity, you want to be this. No, no, you just want to be faithful. And then the third one is pass the truth on. That's making disciples and leaders. That's what we're supposed to do. So we want to be leaders for God. Be a servant, be faithful, and take what you know and pass it on. Saul has already said publicly that David would be the next king. We already saw that. Of course, he's not stopping trying to kill David, and so where we are. Now, there's sort of a break in the action of, of Saul trying to kill David, and we see David doing something. And, you know, when I look at the Bible, I mean, I think I like Abraham, and I go, wow, Abraham was great. But, boy, did he mess up sometimes. And you think about Isaac, and you say, well, he messed up sometimes. And you think about Noah, and you think about Paul, and, and, and you think about Peter, and you think about David. And you say, David was so great, a man after God's own heart, killed Goliath, did everything. But, boy, did he mess up sometimes. And this morning, we're going to see he has a great opportunity to mess up, and let's see what he does. I call this David's episode with Nabal, okay? So let's see what happens. Let's meet this man. Look at uh, ch chapter 25, verse 2. Now, there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and that just shows how rich he was because most people didn't have anything like that. And it came that while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, and if you skip down because there's a parenthesis, it basically says that while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, that David heard about it. So David's going to come, and we'll talk about what happens in this minute. So we meet this man. His name is Nabal, and he's very, very rich. And then in verse 3, in the parenthesis, we get some information about him. Now, this man's name was Nabal. Now, by the way, the name Nabal, it means fool. That's what it means. And so his name is Nabal. Nabal means fool. His wife's name is Abigail. And, and it says here, it says, the man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. And then he describes, it says, the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance. And, but the man, now look at this contrast, was harsh and evil in his dealings and he was a cableite. Now, uh, when, when you see this, uh, you probably think, uh, that had to be an arranged marriage, you know? I mean, think about it. Somebody that she's really pretty and smart, and he's uh, kind of a mean guy. Her name means my father rejoices. That's what her name means. His name means fool. Okay? So can you say this is my father rejoices, and this one is going to marry a fool, and that's what he is, and we're going to see this. Look at the contrast. He's called foolish. She's called wise. He's called evil. She's called good. He's repulsive. She's beautiful. He's arrogant. She's humble, and we're going to see what happens, and uh, what we realize is as we study the passage, let me just give you a heads up. As we study the passage, we realize that David and his men 
came where Nabal has all of his sheep and all of his goats and everything, and David made an agreement with the shepherds and said, listen, we'll protect you because people will come and steal stuff. He says, what we'll do is we'll guard. We'll put a guard around all of, all of the animals. We'll take care of everything, and we'll just protect for you. And then when it comes time for the shearing of the sheep, you can give us some of the stuff, and that way sort of we make a living by protecting you. That's what David promised to do. And that, apparently that's, that's the agreement that was made. So watch what happens. Verse 4, now David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. Well, it's time. It's time to pay up. It's time David's men have been protecting Nabal's sheep and goats and everything else. And so it's now time to pay up. So you can see that David says, oh, oh, it's time. They're having their festival. They, they, they would get to the, that time in which they would shear the sheep and take care of everything. They'd have a festival. They'd have like a party. And they would all come out there and they would have bonfires and people would come and family would come and they would shear the sheep and they would do all the the stuff. And so he's heard his time. So David sent, now look back at verse 4 again. So David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing the sheep. So this is the time. So what does David do? Verse 5. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, what you could do is go up to Carmel, visit Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say, now here's what you say when you get there, have a long life. Peace be to you. Peace be to your house. And peace to be all you have. You can see them. Long life. Peace to you. Peace to your house. Peace to everything. You know, that's, they're going up there and they're being nice. And they're going up and saying, you know, we've done our job. We protected you. And now we're coming and we're saying, would you give us the food and the sheep and the things that we need now that it's time? And so that's what they've sent them to do. Verse 7, he says, now I've heard, that this is, you're still talking, he says, I've heard that you have shearers and that your shepherds have been with us and we have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days they were in Carmel. He says, so we've protected you. We did what we were supposed to do. Nobody came in there and stole your sheep and your animals and anything else, and we've been doing that. And so ask your young men, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you how we protected them. Therefore, let my young men... Find favor in your eyes, for we've come on a festive day. We know it's a big party day, and we've come to get our stuff. Please give whatever you find at hand to your servants. And notice the end of the verse. And to your son, David. Now, David is, is, is really showing great humility and respect to this man named Nabal. He says, and... Uh, to your son, David. He's like a son to you. He looks up to you, Nabal. You're, you're rich and famous. And so, David, we've, we've come to say, would you give us some stuff? <laughs> That's what they're doing. And so, it, David is sent him with this instructions. Well, you can see what's going to happen because we already know back from verse 3 that he is a harsh man and he's evil in his dealings. You know, I don't know if you ever dealt with people like that. Sometimes you, you, you think you're dealing with somebody that's nice, and all of a sudden you find out they're not nice at all. And sometimes you talk to somebody, and they say they're going to do a certain thing, and then when it comes time, they don't do it. And even when you say to them, like, I thought you said you'd do that, they said, I didn't say that. I don't know where you're getting that. And you go, well, man, that's what you told me. I didn't tell you that. Well, so the, David's going to send the men to Nabal, and, and we can already guess what he's going to do. We know what kind of man he is. So, verse 9, 
When David's young, David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to these words. They came and said, peace be to you and peace to your house and long life. And we hear you're doing everything and we've taken care of everything. You can just ask your men. We've done everything and now it's a big festive day and we've come to ask for our stuff. And he said, they spoke to Nabal according to the words in David's name and they waited. You can see him saying, so thank you. And what's Nabal going to do? Look at him. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, who's David? Who's this David? Who is the son of Jesse? He already knew who David was because he knows who his father is. David's famous. David's already famous in Israel because he defeated Goliath and he defeated the Philistines and everybody knows he's on the run. Even Nabal knows he's on the run from King Saul. He knows who David is. And they come up and they say, uh, your son David asked that you'd take care of us. And he said, who is David? Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? I don't even know who you're talking about. There are many servants today who are breaking away from their masters. See, he knows that David's on the run from Saul. He knows everything. He's a liar. He's the kind of man you don't want to deal with. Listen, in our lives, we deal with people all the time. And every now and then, you run into somebody like this. And you say, just don't deal with them. Just don't deal with him because you can't trust him. And you can't. And Nabal answered David's servant and said, who is David? I don't know who you're talking about. Who is the son of Jesse? Uh, I know who it is. And many servants today are breaking away from their masters. And then he says, shall I take? Shall I take my bread? Notice it's my. Everything's my. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to people whose origin I don't even know? I don't even know anything about you people. I don't know anything about you. I don't know. And you can see, he said, I don't know, David, get out of here. Nabal has gone back on his word. He had an agreement. The best we can tell from the rest of the passage is that, that he had this agreement with them. Or maybe his shepherds did. Sheep, his shepherds did. Anyway, he said, I don't know who this David guy is. He does. He's a liar. When you deal with people that you can't trust, you can't deal with them. So what happens? He says, I, I don't know you. Am I going to take my bread, my water, my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to men? I don't even know where you came from. The truth is we know everybody's not going to be nice to us. Everybody's not going to keep their word. Sometimes, in fact, many times people will do what's convenient for them, what's ever to their advantage, not necessarily to your advantage. So how, how do we respond when we're rejected or mistreated or done wrong? We've already seen that when Saul did this to David, and we raised the question, how do we respond when somebody does us wrong? What do we do? Do we get revenge? Vengeance belongs to who? The Lord. We don't get revenge. What should David do? I mean, they're going to go back to David, and they're going to say, David, the guy said, he didn't know who you are. And he said, tough break. And we expect David to go, well, vengeance belongs to the Lord, because that's what he's been doing. So watch what happens. So David's young men, this is verse 12, they went back. Young men retraced their way, and they went back, and they came and told all these words to David. In David's dealing with Saul, David said, let God deal with him. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. What's going, David going to say about this one? Look at the verse. So David said to his men, verse 13, Each of you gird on your sword. 
So each man girded on his sword. David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went up behind David, while 200 stayed with the baggage. You can see David said, everybody get your swords on. We're going to go kill every one of them. I got my sword. We're going to keep 200 here to take care of the baggage, take care of everything. We're going to take 400, and we'll go into that guy, and we're going to kill every man there. That's what he's going to do. We could say, does that sound right? (laughs) Put on the swords. 400 men were leaving. And here's the question. Is this right? Should David go after Nabal to kill him? I mean, Nabal went back on his word. I mean, he's, he's a liar and he's, he's not, you know, but, but you know what we realize? No. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. There's going to come times in your life that you're going to be tempted to go, to, to go get somebody, to get them back somehow because how they did you wrong. Because people are going to do you wrong. We live in a fallen world. People are going to do you wrong. They're going to lie to you. They're going to go back on their word. That's just what people do sometimes. Even fellow believers. And sometimes we'll say things like, I can't believe a fellow believer did that. Just believe it. We're all capable of anything. If you put us all in the wrong place at the wrong time, we'll do the wrong thing. So be careful. Take heed, what? Lest you think you stand, you fall. And that's what we see. Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he doesn't fall. David is about to fall. You could say, David, you've done good up to this point. And David says, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Just because we do right one time doesn't mean we're going to do right the next time. That means we've got to be careful. We've got to take heed lest we think we stand, we fall. It's easy to do right one time. Well, not necessarily easy. We might do right one time. But we'll be tempted. Be careful. Well, let's go back to Nabal's house. Let's find out what's happening. One of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. So one of the men, probably one of the men who was up there with Nabal, and he came over to Abigail, because he said to this, You know, our master, Nabal, he's a, he's, he's a fool. He's harsh. And here they came to us, asking us nicely, and he runs them off. So he said, the only person I could talk to would be the wise woman. That's Abigail. So he goes to Abigail, and he says, I just wanted you to know um, that David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and, and uh, he made fun of them. So he's going to go tell Abigail, and what does he say? Nabal made fun of David. The word scorn there actually means to ridicule. He basically said, I don't know who this David is. I don't know who this Jesse is. I don't know who he's running off from. I don't know anything about this guy. Why should I give you anything of mine? Why should I do that? Now look what the man says. For the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted. They didn't come after us, nor did we miss anything as long as, as we went about with them they, while they were in the fields. As long as they were with us and we were with them, everything was protected. They, they were really good to us. Uh, They didn't insult us, meaning they didn't come hurt us in any way, shape, or form. They were like, in verse 16, they were like a wall to us. Both night and day and all the time that we were uh, with them tending the sheep. He's saying, basically, they did us a big favor. They kept the enemies away. They kept the animals away. They they protected us. They did what they were, they told us they would do. And now, our master just ran them off. And, and you know what, they could probably say, and, and I've got a feeling that these men will not be ran off very easily. <laughs> I, 
I mean, we, we kind of know about some of these people. It goes on down in verse 17 and says, Now therefore know and consider what you should do. You better think about this. For evil is plotted against our master and against all his household, and he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. And he's talking to the wife, and he says, Your husband's pretty worthless. You know that, that nobody can talk to him. He's worthless. He's foolish. He's a foolish man. A fool speaks without hearing. A fool decides without getting the information. He should have sat down and said to his men, okay, who are these guys exactly and what did they do? And they would have said, they protected us. They were great. We should help them. He didn't listen. He didn't care. He says, now, you think I'm going to give you my stuff? I'm not. And so they said, well, listen, we, we, they're, they're going to come against us. They're going to come against us. And, and we, we've heard the reputation of this David, and we've heard the reputation of these men, and they've been in this area for a while. We know they're running from Saul, but nobody can catch them. They're pretty tough. So what is Abigail going to do? And she's wise. She's wise, and she's pretty. She's everything. So what happens? Then Abigail hurried. And she took 200 loaves of bread, two jugs of wine, five sheep already prepared, five measured of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. She's loading up. She's fixing to take something to David. She's saying, listen, they came to ask for something. Well, I'm, I'm going to give it to them. And she said, get everything ready. Get the donkeys out there. Get the stuff on there. Get the, get the bread. Get the wine. Get the sheep. Get the, get the grain. Get the cakes. Get the figs. Get it all. Put it on the stuff. And she said to her young men, you go on before me. Y'all go ahead. Take the stuff on up there. Behold, I'm coming after you. I'll, I'll get there. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. She didn't tell him. Why? Because he would have probably stopped her. He just said, you can't do that. I'm not going to let you do that. And as foolish as he is, he wasn't listening. She could say, listen, if you don't let me go, he will kill you and every person here, every male here. But she didn't tell him. She's just going to go. She's just going to go. You can see her wisdom. Well, here we go. We're going to see David's vengeance. And this is where we'd say, well, David, you're not supposed to do that. Verse 20, it came as that she was riding on her donkey and coming down on a, by a hidden part of the mountain. Behold, David and his men were coming down toward her, so she met them. You can see this, and we'll talk about it next week. She's coming with everything, and as she comes down from the hill into a little valley, here comes David and his men. And you can see David, the, probably the first thing that he sees is this woman, and he's coming with the the desire to kill everyone, every male in that household. That's what his plan is. And so Abigail has reached David before he gets to the camp, before he gets to where uh, they all live. And so verse 21, David said, Surely, and this is him talking to himself, Surely I've guarded all that this man has in his wilderness, and so nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. He's returned me evil for good. What are we supposed to do, remember? Never return evil with what? Never return evil with evil, but return evil with good. He says he's returned evil for good. I did good to him, and he's returned evil. So he says, well, basically David's saying, so I'm going to turn evil to him. We already know what the Bible says. Don't return evil with evil. Return evil 
with good. So look what happens. He says, may God do so to the enemies of David, and more so if by morning, by morning, when I get there, by morning, I'll leave as much as one male of any who belong to him. He says, uh, when I get there, I'm going to kill every man. Romans 12, never return evil with evil. Return evil with what? With good. He said, I'm going to kill them all. And we see David, he's failing. David's not leaving vengeance for the Lord. He is seeking vengeance for himself. I want you to think about this. Ten years down the road, will David be proud of going to that man's house and killing every man there? Will he be proud that he did that? Sometimes we look at our lives and we look back and we say, something that happened three months ago, six months ago, two years ago, when we were 15, whenever, and we say, I'm really not proud about that. You think David would be proud five years from now, two years from now, when he becomes the king of Israel? Will he be proud of the time he went and killed every man because Nabal treated him wrong? He's seeking vengeance for himself. Let me just tell you something. You will never be proud of seeking vengeance for yourself. It'll never, in the future of your life, you'll never say, I'm so glad I did that. You'll never would. You've probably seen movies or books or something about a person that they were seeking vengeance, seeking revenge, seeking revenge, seeking revenge, and then they finally got it, and they actually said, I'm still empty. I'm still empty. Vengeance isn't the answer. We're going to see that God uses Abigail and God can use us. David is probably the greatest warrior in Israel with 400 men coming to wipe out a bunch of men who treated him wrong and God is going to take a woman and try to stop the whole thing. What will happen? Well, we've seen Samuel dies. We've seen David guards flocks, Nabal's flocks. They go ask for provision. Nabal makes fun of them and David's on the way to kill them and Abigail is going to try to stop it. So let's, let's get some applications. Let, let, let's leave vengeance to the Lord. That's what it, we've seen it over and over. Many times people are going to mistreat us, and we're going to do it. Don't expect. Uh, listen, sometimes don't expect people to do right, and do, to, do, to even keep their word. They're, you know that when you deal with people in a fallen world, sometimes they're going to mistreat you. Sometimes they're going to do that. Well, how do we respond? What do we do? What do we do? Well, we, leave the, we don't expect people to reward us or thank us. I saw something the other day, a, 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 guy, a guy was walking and a woman right behind him and he went, oh, and he opened the door and she just went past him and he went, you're welcome, you know, because she, she just didn't even acknowledge that he opened the door for her. And that's okay, it, but, but don't expect people to reward you and say thank you. See, leave vengeance to God. Never return evil with evil. Leave it to God. Be careful. Why? Because take heed, lest we think we stand, we fall. And sometimes we say, oh, I don't think I'd ever do that. What? Be careful. Don't ever say, I would never do that. You don't know what you would do. You don't know if you get in a situation. And as I've always said, if you put us in the wrong place at the wrong time, we'll do the wrong thing. You've got to be very careful. So don't say, I would never do that. Don't say, a Christian would never do that. We are capable of anything. And we would say, David, David's just been showing over and over again, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now, David says, vengeance belongs to David. No, take heed lest you think you stand. 
you fall. The second thing is let's be wise in our words. So we've seen a foolish man and a wise woman. And so let's keep our word. If we say we're going to do something, do it. Don't be like Nabal who's a foolish man. And let's listen before we speak. Nabal could have asked his men, what's going on? Who are these people? What's going on? What's happening? He knows already. He knew who David was. He knew who David's father was. So let's be wise. Keep our word and listen before we talk. And then last, let's be people of integrity. Let's be like, I think of Samuel, because what was Samuel? He was a servant. So let's be servants. And what did we learn about Samuel's life? Let's be honest. Let's keep our word. Let's be fair. Let's treat people the same. Let's be in prayer, maintaining our fellowship with God. And let's be obedient. Let's live by the word. That is a picture of Samuel's life right there. And that's what we want to be. We want to be men and women who are servants to touch lives for Jesus Christ. We don't want to be like the world. We don't want to get vengeance. We don't want to treat people in a bad way. We want to be lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which we are shining as lights in the world.